talking about the the Rodolfo Rivas project name. So I told you like the inspiration of the podcast is WTF uh, podcast with Mark yeah. Maron. The host is Mark Maron, and there's like a there's like a culture in, in podcasts, at least at the beginning of podcasting, that was named after the host. So it's not that I wanted like to have like the the limelight of me. It was like I did it in that tradition, like the the forefathers of podcasting. Yeah. You're listening to the Rodolfo Rivas Project. My dad has had big conversations with other people around the world and here in Geneva. He loves it and he's all crazy about it. Remember to have fun listening to it, the Rodolfo Rivas Project. Welcome everyone to a new episode of the Rodolfo Rivas Project. And no, no. You're not in the wrong podcast. This is the Rodolfo Rivas Project, but today I'm the guest host. I'm Brian Frankel. I don't know if you remember me from the first episode of this podcast, but today I have the honor, actually, to uh, host a very special guest, Rodolfo Rivas himself. So the idea was to change roles and now be the one who is leading the conversation and to try to get a bit more about our guest. So um, we're looking forward to this conversation, uh, for you to listen to it. And we spoke about his career, his life, how he did get here, about uh, trade, about IP, uh, filmmaking, uh, decisions in life, family balance, uh, writing, uh, everything. And really, I hope that you enjoyed this conversation because I did. See you soon. Please let us know by liking, subscribing, and or reviewing if you enjoyed this conversation. I know I keep saying it, but it really helps. The Rodolfo Rivas Project is available on all major platforms or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed here belong to the individuals sharing them and do not necessarily represent the views of their employer. Okay, let's start with this conversation. I'm really excited to be here um, and, and change, thank you, thank change you, places. Thank you, Brian, for indulging me. No, it's a, it's a pleasure. It was a nice proposal. And I, I don't know if uh, you remember, but I was actually your first guest. So it's, it's fun of to course, be another that, guest. That's why, that's why when I was thinking, who can I call upon? Like the only question, the only possible candidate was you. <laughs> okay, thank you very My much. My first guest, and now we come full circle. Perfect, excellent. Now we change roles. Um, so as you did with me when we started with that, I'm actually interested uh, for you to tell us a bit more. How do you get here? A bit more about your your career. I know a lot of things, but I don't know if uh, all the people who are listening this know all I, the things I, that you have I done. May, we've had conversations, long conversations throughout the years, but I may surprise you even with some. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised to be surprised. <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm originally from Guadalajara, Mexico, um, the second largest city in Mexico. Uh, I lived there my whole life until I was 26 years old. Um, I went to law school, but I really wanted to be a filmmaker. Okay. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to be a, a lawyer. Okay. Um, how did it happen? Well, actually, one of the most famous Mexican directors, Guillermo el Toro, mm-hmm. is from my city. Okay. Uh, I like him a lot. Yeah, he's, he's brilliant. He's like a national hero. And for me in particular, he's like a personal hero. Uh, so having him 
be from Mexico, to me it was something, it was something, and this is maybe what they talk about when they talk about representation. Because before him, I didn't even think it could be possible for me, someone from Guadalajara, to become a film director. I thought that that only happened to, to Hitchcock or to people who are from somewhere else. But having seen Guillermo el Toro, who I saw not too different from me, I thought that maybe this is a possibility. So because of him and others, but him in particular, I thought maybe I can become a filmmaker. And I remember kind of the story that I'm going to tell you. It's a bit, I think I've, I've created like a legend inside my mind. So I don't know what aspects of it is, are true and what aspects are okay. like enhanced or embellished and what are false. But the story goes like this. So I remember going to my father and telling him like, I, I want to be a filmmaker. And him, he told me, are you crazy? Like you have to study like a real career like lawyer or doctor or something that that's real, like filmmaker is not real. And I was like, what do you mean? He said like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna support anything else, only one of these careers. And the next day he took me to La Universidad Panamericana, which I am now teaching at the school, mm-hmm. coming back. Um, I did the test for admission And right there and then, they offered me a scholarship. And my father was like, this is it. And I didn't even know what happened because it was so fast. Like, it happened so fast. Like, And then I saw like my whole life going in another direction that what I had envisioned. And that, that exam was to be, to be, to study to be a lawyer. It was like, it was not like, a, so it was like, a, I had good grades. So like when I went and I showed them my grades, they had already, said like, yeah, you, you have like good grades, so pretty much any career that you want to to study, we just need to make sure that you are in line, and we're just gonna do this evaluation to, it was similar to an SAT test. Okay, so and you have the level. Yeah. yeah, so I got good grades, and by then, because I had the good grades, I had like good results in the test, and I also needed some financial assistance. They offered me the scholarship, like pretty much, so I remember I did the test, so we went there in the morning, I did the test, I I got the results, we waited, and in the afternoon, we were called to someone's office, and they told us, like, yeah, you can come here, and this is the scholarship. And then by then, I know I knew, like, oh, like, this I is what to I'm going to do. Like, yeah, I mean, I had no choice. And my father had been clear. This is the part that I don't know if it's true or not. Like, I remember it like this, maybe not like, but I remember my father saying, this is it, like, I cannot do anything else. And him feeling like, I did my job. Like when when I was there and they offered me the scholarship, I, I felt like my father felt like this is it. Like I put you in the way. Yeah, yeah like you can now go yeah. your way alone. So I felt like I had to take it. Okay, it's interesting because actually I'm also a lawyer, but I, I was not sure of being a lawyer, and. My other option I'm, I'm was to be a psychologist. Sure. I'm still not yeah. sure even now. <laughs> happens to me. But my two options, the other option that I have was to be a lawyer or a history professor. And I have almost word by word the same dialogue with my dad. And he told me, no, you're going to you know, die from hunger. You have yeah, to study that's something. Exact, that's exactly what my father uh, told me. And then it's okay. Then a lawyer, okay. And I was not convinced to be a lawyer. Yeah, as we discussed many times until I discovered international law. It was like what I'm studying, what I'm doing here. Actually, we've never talked about this, but yeah. It's pretty similar. Yeah. Okay. But, but I do think that at least your two options, there are some connections between them. 
My option of being a lawyer or a filmmaker, I don't think that they're connected at all. So, and then, and then what happens? I, I know that you're an alumni from Stanford and that it is very important for you. <laughs> so, so how do you I, I, I know that you joke about that. It's not that it is important, but it did cost me a lot. No, that's so, what I'm saying. I know, I know that it, it, it means a lot for you. It, you. You recognize it also as an alma mater for you. But I also recognize as an alma mater the Universidad Panamericana. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Two alma maters. So, yeah. so why, what changed or, or how did you get to Stanford? Oh, but that's, that's further along the way. Okay. So I became a lawyer. Good. I was not, uh, I was a good student. I was not really unhappy. I think I was like, okay. And mm -hmm. I pretty much accepted my... Your destiny. My destiny. Yeah. yeah. And so I was there. And now in law school, I wanted to get... I wanted to find a way where I could like get closer to my love of film. Okay. And I thought that that would be intellectual property, specifically copyright. Okay. So I said like, okay, I'm not gonna be a, I'm not gonna be a filmmaker, but perhaps I can be around filmmakers. I can be about creators, or I can become a lawyer that does copyright and like uh, is around filmmakers and advisors. And perhaps one day I can even like with a client be like, hey, I have an idea for a movie. Okay. <laughs> you can pitch the idea. Yes. <laughs> Actually, funny story about this. Like uh, one of my first jobs that I interviewed for, I. It was for a production company in Mexico. Uh, it was an Elo Films. And they had produced, at, but at that point they had produced like a very successful film in Mexico, which was the, the return of Alfonso Cuarón's uh, directing to Mexico. He did his first movie in Mexico, then he went to the US, he did uh, Great Expectations, an adaptation of Charles Dickens' uh, story, but like uh, brought up to modern, Modern Day with Ethan Hawke, uh, Robert De Niro, and Gwyneth Paltrow, which he said that it was not a good experience. So after that, he decided to go back to okay. Mexico to make a film. Mm -hmm. And this is the film that he did, Tu Mamá Tambien, ah, which was like, it. it was like a big success yeah. in Mexico, like a cultural phenomenon, I was talking about that. And it seemed that Anello Productions was getting into films, like to do more, I think. I don't think that they replicated this after that. But at that point, I didn't know. I thought, oh my God, we're going to be producing movies here like <laughs> forever. So this is perfect for me. I went, I had an interview. Actually, it went pretty well. Like, uh, I, they liked me. Or that's what I thought. And that by the end of the, the interview, I think that they had decided that they were going to give me the job. And I was like so happy. I was like, I cannot believe it. I'm going to be working in like, the dream. Like, I'm going to be making movies like this. So we were waiting for everything to finish and we were just sitting there and there was like an awkward silence and me to fill in the silence, which now I know it was a mistake. I should have just stayed quiet. I was like, ah, so yeah, like what if one day I'm in the office and, and Alfonso Cuaron calls and I pick up the phone and then we get talking and then I can, can I like talk to him about the movie and perhaps offer my ideas and comments? And I saw the face of the lady who was interviewing me. Is like, oh my god, not one of those. <laughs> and she said, like, ah, yeah, yeah, sure, okay. So then, like, she walked me out to the, of the offices, and I never heard back from her. And you feel that that was the point? I think make her worried. I don't know because I didn't, I didn't hear from them. So perhaps it's all in my head. But I felt like he's like, oh my god, we're not gonna have like this twenty-year-old like student who doesn't because I was still going to law school who doesn't know, and know anything about films and he's offering like ideas. critical 
assessment to one of the top Mexican filmmakers now, two-time Oscar winner. So she's like, oh no, this is never gonna happen. <laughs> so that ended my my career before it started <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> in films. <laughs> and that was the, the time you tried to get into the industry? No, I tried many times, okay. I tried many times. So, so then like I, I did other things, I worked uh, in labor law and I did uh, insurance law. I don't know why, but I, I just did it like, and by the way, now I need to mention one of my professors who I still keep in touch, Antonio Guevara. He's like a tremendous uh, labor lawyer. Mm -hmm. And he was like the first person who believed in me as a lawyer and he gave me a job. And we still remain in touch. Uh, but uh, so then with labor, I thought maybe labor can be something because also a big component of entertainment law is like uh, labor. Yeah. The but I never. And all those kind of yeah, all of, yeah. So I thought maybe I would be doing that. But it never really happened. So my idea was okay, I'll finish law school because I have to finish. After I finish law school, I'll, I'll go and tell my father, like, here's your, your diploma, your diploma yeah. the one that you wanted. Now I'm going to go away and do my own thing. Mm -hmm. That's how I imagined it. Of course. <laughs> but it didn't work out that way. <laughs> so I did, I did do that in all the dramatic uh, fashion that, you, that I envisioned. I went with my father, I told him, this is it. Now I'm going to go and do my own thing. So I went to Mexico City which is like 500 kilometers away from Guadalajara. Uh, I paid for it on my own money, like everything, I was broke, but I, I did that. I went to the two top uh, film schools in Mexico that only take 15 students per, per year, each, 15 and 15. And I went to do the test, and when we were doing the test, there were like 1,000 people like wow, me. For 15. And like in a big auditorium, like it was like so big, and they, did like a test about history of film, film history, like history of Mexico. They even like showed us a movie and we had to analyze and do things. Like it was like a very difficult test for which I was not prepared. But even if I had been prepared, how do you pick 15 out of 1,000? Mm -hmm. And when we were in line waiting to get in, I heard conversations of people like me, like film fanatics, talking about Tarkovsky, talking about Kubrick, like, talking about like all these filmmakers techniques and everything which I knew but uh, maybe I was not up to their level or maybe I was I don't know like maybe they just pick 15 at luck I don't know mm -hmm. I didn't make it okay in neither of the two programs so by then I was like okay so I'm a lawyer then <laughs> <laughs> and then you decided to go back <laughs> yeah with the with the tail behind my I don't know if that's an expression you say in English but uh, I felt ashamed I, I yeah. didn't do my what I wanted, so I had like, I'm sorry, I'll be a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, that you were right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right, just do this. <laughs> okay, and then you stay in Mexico working before going uh, to, to Stanford? No, so, okay, so then I was, I was working in an insurance law company, and, uh, but I was not happy, I wanted to go Can you away. imagine insurance? No. Yeah, actually, it's not, it was not that bad, but it was not what I wanted. So I couldn't afford to go to the U.S. My plan was, okay, I go to the U.S. I failed in Mexico, maybe I can go to film school in the U.S. Okay. So my plan was like, I go, I pretend to go to law school, but in reality, I'm gonna go to film school. Interesting, <laughs> okay. And that's why I wanted to go to like top film programs, like film universities like NYU or USC. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'll go to law school in the morning and film school in the afternoon. 
Okay. But it was too expensive, so I couldn't afford. So the best next thing was to come to Spain. Okay. Which was way more affordable. It was also the first time like I would live away from home. Mm -hmm. So I came to Spain to study intellectual property. Uh -huh. And the only thing is that when you talk about intellectual property, I think that the biggest component of intellectual property is not copyright. Copyright is very limited. And most of the programs that were available, even the one I took, even though it had a copyright component, is mainly based on patents, patents and trademarks, not really copyright. So it was not really what I wanted, but it was a really nice experience. I actually think I learned a lot about IP, subject matter, and that brought me to Switzerland. Being from Mexico, Switzerland is like the furthest away place that you can imagine. Probably, yeah. I didn't even know anything about Switzerland. Yes. Like, uh, I knew they had chocolate and... And banks. I, I probably didn't even know that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's chocolate and a lot of money. I don't, didn't know if in banks or where, but... Like, it seemed so foreign to me. Yeah. Not something that I even, even wanted. But uh, I, I had this opportunity to come to work to WIPO. Mm -hmm. And that was my first... What is WIPO for the people who don't know? The World Intellectual Property Organization. Okay. And I was doing like disputes, uh, domain name disputes. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was my first time living in Switzerland. It was an amazing experience because we were like 20 young lawyers from everywhere in the world. That's where I met my wife. Uh, so that changed my life. But mm -hmm. at the time I didn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> and when I was there, I still had the, the bug of going to the US. Yeah. That's when I went to Stanford. Okay, so I miss, I miss a chapter that actually I know, but I didn't put it in order. Okay, and then you go to Stanford, and yeah. you say, Lo, I'm not going to escape to try to do Cine. Well, actually, Stanford has a really good uh, documentary. It's really good in documentaries, not in fiction, but in documentaries. But I didn't, even if I wanted, I didn't have the time. It was mm -hmm. just too, too time-consuming and demanding. And I felt, I had like the... What is it called? Like the imposter syndrome? Yes. When I arrived to Stanford, I'm not, I'm not joking. Like when I arrived to Stanford, I really felt that someone was going to come and tap me on my shoulder and be like, please come with us. We've made a mistake. <laughs> you shouldn't be here. Don't make a scene. Just live quietly. <laughs> <laughs> and of course it didn't happen. It didn't happen. But I did feel, I did feel that I was that I was at a disadvantage because the people there are like so talented in their native uh, tongue. They, they've studied, like, they know the culture. I, even though I, I know a bit about American culture, like for them it comes like natural. For me, I have to make an effort. Mm -hmm. So I was like in, like for example, in a class I was writing something and for them it was easy. For me, I had to like put twice the effort. Mm -hmm. I'm not complaining actually. I think that that really helped me to become better at writing, better at, I've told you, I told you many, many times, I think that you write uh, beautifully and you have really, really good level of English. Thank you. Especially writing. Uh, and I, I and I think that that, that has to do with that because I, I really put an effort to, yeah, like I think becoming a lawyer, effort, yeah. you have to know how to write. And I really work hard. I remember spending so many like hours in front of the computer just writing, like writing something, deleting it and writing it again because I didn't think it was good enough. I can imagine that uh, seeing you. Um, and then we're going to go back to this IP thing because uh, there are other things that I, I, I think people need to know about you and the world of IP. But when did you discover trade? 
uh, because we met actually working and I know that you work uh, with the WTO. Yeah, so I, I wanted to do I wanted to do IP and in trade there is a component of IP. So that was kind of like the connection. But then it was with my wife. When I was in the US it was the after the the crisis in 2009. So there were no jobs for for lawyers actually they were firing lawyers. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't stay there. But my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, was living here in Switzerland. So she the was next, still here, she, she didn't go with here. you. No, okay. no, no, she stayed here. We met when we were working, then yeah. I left. She came to visit me, I came to visit her. And because there were no opportunities and I didn't want to go back to Mexico, because I had loans in US dollars, I didn't think that a salary in Mexico pesos yeah, would help you like, to pay back. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. Yeah. So it was mainly a financial decision. So I came here to Switzerland seeking an opportunity, but as you know, and as many who are listening know, it's not easy. So I just knocked on so many doors, mm -hmm. and one of those doors that I knocked was the ambassador of Mexico, Fernando de Mateo, who I didn't, I didn't know. I just found his email online and wrote to him. Yeah, and he actually didn't reply himself, but he forwarded his, my email to someone working with him, and I met with him, Jorge Huerta. And uh, so he called me to his office, he, we talked and he offered me that internship, uh, working with trade. Knowing that the connection between my experience and what they do was intellectual property. So he told me, we don't really have a lot about intellectual property, but you have some experience in disputes, which I had done at WIPO. Mm -hmm. And a bit of intellectual property, so I kind of like did something. So at that like point, I started reading a lot about trade, and I learned mostly doing like in actual disputes that they were having here in Mexico with other countries. So I was like hands on there. So that was that was how I got into trade, like because of that connection and the lucky the lucky email that I had and yeah. the response. And then where did you f f felt more foreigner? I don't know if you understand what I mean in Switzerland or in the U.S. Where do you feel that it was harder? Or you feel more foreigner, strange, uh, imposter, I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, in, in Switzerland, I've lived here for a third of my life now. Yeah. So even though some of the things are still like a bit alien to me, because they're like, uh, I remember when we went to the, the Euro Cup that was hosted, co jointly hosted between Switzerland and which other country? I don't remember, but it was jointly hosted here, and I remember going there to the fan zone, and everything was so quiet. Like in Mexico, that wouldn't be the yes. case. Like it's, if it's a match, it's crazy. So those things, I still see them. Like, uh, and I'm wondering, huh, that's that's funny. But I I have come to feel like at home here. Okay. And in the U.S., I feel at home because when I was in in Mexico, I went to the American school, and like everything, like. Uh, Going to American school is like going to school in the U.S. Like I watched American TV, I watched movies, I had friends from the U.S. Uh, it was like being in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't seem foreign to me. Uh, the thing is that in the in the in in America, like if I, someone sees me, they do they do see me as Mexican. Yeah. Like, uh, I look Mexican, I guess. <laughs> and here, like actually, they speak to me in Arabic. Because of the beer. 
Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so they usually greet me as Salam Alaikum. I don't know why. <laughs> and you want to reply And then Spanish. I explain to them, like, yeah. uh, sorry, I don't speak uh, Arabic. I'm from Mexico. Yeah. Despite my looks. <laughs> <laughs> and then you stay, you started with Mexico, and then you moved to work for the, for, for the mission? No. <laughs> so now that I'm telling you this... You start to remember. It, yeah, I, I haven't thought about this in a while. It, I'm telling you, it sounds like so, like such a long story. Yes. So no, like I, I, I got an internship at the Applet Body here okay. in the WTO. The one that is now frozen and not yeah, working. Yeah, that one. And actually, when when it first started, this problem with the Applet Body, I felt it personally because I was there and yeah. I. I knew the people who worked there, like, it also was like, a, I guess, like a sense of pride. I don't know. So I did an internship there, and that was an amazing experience. The only thing that I must admit, and I don't know if other interns feel this way, but I don't think I was 100% there, because I, because I had to find a job, yeah. and I had to, I didn't know, like, even from the first moment I stepped, like, my here in the in the in the WTO I was already thinking about what I'm going to do in three months when this yeah. is over that, that's like a syndrome here in Geneva I think everyone everyone who comes younger with something short term or unpaid like an internship then they spend half of their time and mind and full soul trying to find something but else. even having said that like to me I think it was like a constant fear like the like the sword of the Mokli's hanging behind my back but I was with other interns that this didn't seem to bother them. Probably to they, me, were, they, they were Europeans, no? Because I think that there is a difference coming from Latin America. Yeah. Well, to me, this is all I could think of. Yeah. And then what do you do then to stay? Because you have stayed. Yeah, so then I got a... Actually, I got offered an extension, but at the same time, I got offered an, another internship back at WIPO. Okay. Which was longer, for six months. So actually, I wanted to stay here because I really liked the experience here mm -hmm. at the WTO. But it was like an, an extension of three months or six months guaranteed. So I took the other one. Yes. <laughs> And this, unfortunately, I think has been like the reason why I made many decisions early in my life. Pressed by the yeah. circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. Had I known what I know now, I think I would have been more patient. And you could have stayed and maybe try to yeah. stay in uh, WTO. Yeah. Do you regret any or do you think that you arrived to a good position? No, anywhere? you know, like my life as it has turned out, it was if you had told me I would live in Switzerland for a third of my life and I would be happily married with two kids, with a wife who is from Kenya and also working for Israel, I would be like, are you crazy? It doesn't yes. make any sense. <laughs> But I think it, it's turned out better even. And look, since I met you, you have developed a lot of activities that are outside of the work, uh, of your proper work as the chief of the staff of the economic team at the, at the Israeli mission. Um, and I think that they, they start coming one by one. It's not that you've rushed to do everything at the same time. So I'm really interested on, on, on finding that because you actually have started doing things separately. No? I have some ideas that I actually want to know how do you, how do you reach that point and, and how do you balance everything. Um, for example, you have done things with cinema. Yeah. You even directed your own movie. Yeah. So do you want to tell us a bit more about that? Because actually it's, you know, it's like a comeback. I... Yeah, yeah, actually, well, it was not planned, but it kind of just turned out to be. So I was doing my job 
like uh, like you mm-hmm. uh, and then we had our daughter our first daughter and then um, so when you have all of this going on you don't have like even time to think about other things yeah but then like somehow at one point like you realize that uh, like things come down and you realize that uh, like for example you maybe you're working this but you realize like you know what I, I really love movies yes like what happened to that <laughs> and you start thinking like is there like a way that I can I can get back to that so it you reach a point with certain stability that allows you some freedom to to think about other things mm-hmm. I think I reached that point but other than that I think I was also like more at peace with like I said some of the decisions that I made early in my career were made perhaps like uh, out of pressure and not really doing the best decision just the decision that I had to do it was not really a decision it was like I had to do this mm-hmm. so having a bit of stability allowed me to to have more freedom to make the decisions that I really wanted to do so it was a point where I was like I always talk about making a movie like why can I just make a movie And of course, it's not as easy as I as just as I just of said course, it. Yes. But it, it is kind of. So I was like, I just make a movie. Like you, the the world is full of people who say like, God, oh, I could have done this and that, and they never do. I just didn't want to like look back and be like, I never did what I wanted to do. So it was just that. Like I felt like uh, the situation was right. I felt like I was stable enough. I had the support of my family mm-hmm. and I just did it and I think that one thing eventually led to another like I also felt like in my career as a lawyer I always was doing what I thought I should be doing instead of what I really wanted to do yes I know the feeling so it's that like I like for example I, I saw like if I'm a lawyer I have to work at the appellate body. Then I have to work for a law firm. And then after a hundred years of billing, I don't know how many hours I'm going to do this. <laughs> and then I'll buy my Mercedes Benz and, and my Rolex and this, and then I'll retire. I yeah. thought that that was like the path. And then I realized that that was maybe people who do that. It's fine. They have a plan, yeah. But that was not for me. So yeah. that's where I, when I started to do like some of the other things, like my podcast, I started to write, I started to teach. Because I was like, why am I following someone? Like, I want to do my own thing. Like, I want to do what I really feel that I should be doing. And it's like that. And you, and you organized everything and produced and directed this film uh, based on the story of Stephen King, no? If I'm yeah, wrong. yeah. You so contacted Ste- him. Ste- Stephen King is like one of my heroes. Yeah. And actually, I remember reading Stephen King back when it was not like fashionable. Like when you would read Stephen King, you were considered an outsider. Yeah. Um, but I used to read Stephen King when I was in high school. Like he, I even like remember thinking like he's like such a great writer, but he never really got the appreciation from the critics. They always thought that he was like a, a pop writer, like mm-hmm. like a writer of paperbacks. That yeah, for really for the airport, but it's yeah. not. Yeah. And I disagree completely. Completely. And I used to think that back then, and I think that now like. Uh, the critics and everyone has revisited that and now I think that he exactly the same way that Charles Dickens was and how Charles Dickens used to write like uh, in, in periodicals and he would write like short stories and then they would compile them into a novel later on but when he was writing he was pretty much doing the same thing as Stephen King mm-hmm. so now I think there's a, some, 
re recognition of Stephen King as a great writer because he is even just writing like him like so prolific it's something that has also inspired been inspiring to me so that was a dream to imagine that I could adapt something of his so he has this program called dollar dollar babies where he grants a license to adapt one of his short stories he has like a list of 20 short stories okay uh, some of them I was they're actually like some of the short stories that are not the most popular ones but you can I don't know if he's still doing it but you can you could at the time like pick one I read all of them and I picked the one that I I thought was closer to something that I could do I mm -hmm. could make it work in film it was called The Man Who Loved Flowers and I I, I wrote to him like this nice email telling him that I, I I remember I even mentioned Guillermo del Toro like I'm, I'm from Guadalajara like Guillermo del Toro is one of my favorite filmmakers I want to be like him uh, I want to adapt this uh, this uh, short story of you The Man Who Loved Flowers because I have the vision to make this and I even explain a bit of what what I did I don't even think that he reads them but someone who represents him yeah. like replied to, to me actually in the email they said that they reply like in weeks so I wrote to him like when I was leaving the office and then I went home we were having dinner and then after dinner like I got the email back the same day and I was like I, I, I was like so yeah, you, yeah, can do it. yeah, you can do it and I was like oh my god I couldn't believe it <laughs> but at that point I was like oh my god so now I have to do it exactly because the license is for one year so you have to do it in one year so I got that and then like from that moment on it was just thinking about how I was gonna do it mm-hmm but it was great. It was like such a great experience. I I even managed to convince some of my colleagues to <laughs> to play in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So my colleague Marta is the man who loves flowers, and Marika is uh, I changed the name of the character to Rose because okay. I thought it was more appropriate as Rose the flower. Okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and you did it. And you did one of your dreams of already. Yeah. Although it didn't come out as as well as I, I expect. And would you consider with that that you're a filmmaker? Or you still want more? No, I've done, I've done another movie, like a short adaptation of Drive, like in my interpretation. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking of another movie to make the trilogy. I think that once you do a movie, I think you, you get a taste of what the struggle is to, to make a movie because it's not easy. It, actually, and that's why I love writing, because writing, it's you. You're in front of the screen, and you write it, and it's only you. Like you don't need anyone else. You, it's you. You do everything on your own. Sometimes it's good to have someone to look at it so that they can see the things that you are too close to see. Mm -hmm. But it's basically you in the in a movie, unless it's like a special project that it's only you. And actually, a big influence in the things that I do are using those restraints, those constraints, like mm -hmm. to work on my own because it's me only, like I don't want to ask for help because to explain that vision and to have people committed to that vision is complicated. Unless everyone agrees to do that, it's very difficult to, to achieve. So once you make a movie and you know that you're fighting every day and uh, making a movie is compromise after compromise after compromise after compromise, and the end result is, at least in my case, maybe it's because I was not as talented, but in my case it was like, 10% of what I envisioned mm -hmm. what I wanted to achieve. I think that going through that process 
you understand a bit of the struggle of what it is to be a filmmaker. Yeah. I don't know if you are. Already, I don't know if there's like a brotherhood that welcomes you into the brotherhood of filmmakers. But I do feel I'm a part of. <laughs> Good brother. So, so, so in the in the list of uh, what is Rodolfo, we can say a lawyer. I wouldn't even maker. say I'm a lawyer. Okay. I wouldn't say I'm a lawyer. Actually, many people from my law school that graduated they call themselves a lawyer. If you were to, if I were to introduce to myself to a party of people, I wouldn't say I'm a lawyer. Okay. I would say like I work in trade because that's what I do, but I'm a, a storyteller. Okay. And, and I'm interested. On another element that I would put on the list, that it's, I know that you did it before as a guest, but now you're also a professor. Yeah. And that's something that we have in common, in common because I Actually, love to teach. Actually, I must say that a bit, a big part of my inspiration of doing it, it was you. <laughs> because you were doing it, because I imagine that to do it and to do like a good job, you actually had to do that full time. Yeah. And I saw you and you were, you were working a full time job. Yes. And you were still doing this. Yes in the best of your capacities and doing an amazing job. So I was like, oh, maybe it is possible to combine both. Yes. But and, uh, it was a bit because of you, Dear. Thank you very much. Okay. I'm, I'm happy now that I, I got the inspiration. I gave you the inspiration for something then. And how was the experience? Because this was your, like, your full course in charge of designing and doing well, it. Well, I, I was sharing the class with Dr. Edgardo Muñoz. Mm -hmm. uh, he was teaching the first part, which is like the private aspects of international uh, commercial law, mm -hmm. like contracts and dispute settlement in private. And I was doing like the public in, uh, aspects of that, which involved uh, the WTO and all of that. And also we talked about US, uh, USMCA uh, and other international trade matters. But uh, it was difficult. It was difficult because when I used to to teach as a guest, yeah. like I actually taught that same class a couple of times, like five, six class. Even I remember even when I did the first one, I was a bit nervous. And gradually I became less nervous. And I already had the like the material, I knew what I would say. I just had to update a couple of things based on some new developments, but it was pretty much the same thing. Yes. So I had to stretch that from one class, one hour and 20 minutes, to eight classes. Yes. Of three hours. <laughs> by Zoom. <laughs> exactly, which is a challenge. Zoom some, some, uh, yeah. gives more accessibility and everyone can, can, can use it, but it also presents challenges on the dynamic of a classroom. Yeah, so I, I don't know what your experience was, but it was not as interactive as I hoped it to be. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I, I imagine myself as being a, like a different kind of, of teacher. I thought I would be like harsher and more, like a more seasoned professor who is like really hard on the students. Okay. And I was not at all. I was like so, so collegial and so. <laughs> and then did you have a professor that you had in mind like to model you? No, or I didn't. Like how you and maybe that, no, that's what I, I thought Again, maybe it was like what I thought you should be doing instead yeah. of what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I found out that I was like, I don't know, maybe you should talk to my students, but I thought I was like a pretty laid back professor mm -hmm. and uh, it was not tough at all. And maybe I should have been, I don't know. Maybe that's where I failed a bit. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know if you fail. I, I'm happy to speak to your students afterwards. <laughs> but I, I know that that's a challenge. And I, in, in my case, you know, I've been doing that for many, many years, even in Argentina while I was working. So I, I have, like, my models of the kind of things that I want and the kind of things that I don't like, uh, even studying here. And I think the naturally inclined for those that I like it 
uh, improving or changing or something, but it's 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 a uh, it's a style to develop. Um, no, but that's that's uh, awesome. So it's a new experience. It was a new experience, and it was it was even though, like I said, it had these challenges. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed it. Actually, today is their final exam, so let's see how they. And then you have to start grading. Yeah, let's see how they do. Yeah, that's uh, the worst part. Let's see for me. if I did a good job. If they get a good grade, it means that I did a good job. In general, yes. <laughs> so let's see. Uh, it'll be also like interesting to see how they do and how I use what I learned this time around for the future. Improve, yeah, that's for sure. When when I come from Argentina, there we have like kind of a learning how to teach. We have like a career within my law school. And one of the things was that, like a diagnosis, and then you know to feed from there and change and improve or identify where the problems were. So, so I think that it's a constant learning experience, even how to teach. No, actually, I've been, I was talking to someone the other day, and I think I, I mean, it sounds a bit of like a cliche, but I am really like I'm supposed to be the one teaching the class, and I'm learning. I think maybe Completely even more than the, the students. Yeah, because I had to read the material again, like with a more with a more clinical eye, I think, because I had to, some things that I took for granted, some yeah. concepts that I thought I understood, I had to make sure that I was truly understanding them to be able to explain them. Completely. So, so like uh, sometimes in your head you think like, yeah, 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 I got that. But like to explain it to someone that, that asked questions, I, I had to go deeper, deeper, deeper. So I, on that, I really, I really learned a lot and also, is to the experience of teaching and sometimes the questions that I got asked they were like I hadn't really thought about it from yeah. that point of view so yeah and w- which school are you the one that when when asked a question that you don't know pretend to know the answer or the one who admits that you don't know no if I don't know I don't, I don't know and I tell them perfect but the, the, the other the other thing is that sometimes I would ask them questions and I would and I would be aware that they don't know because maybe yeah. they don't, they haven't read that far or, or they just don't know. But I told them, that's not important. Tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. And then we see if what, what it is, is actually how it should be. Sure. That is something that I really enjoyed. And uh, more often than not, it was. But in those cases where it was not, maybe those are the things that we should focus on. Like, why are they not like the way that they should be? Mm-hmm. So it was a great experience. You're going to repeat it as well. They did invite me. So the only problem is like to find three hours is not only a commitment on my side, it's also a commitment of my family. Yes. So I have to have a discussion with my family. It's the whole balance. Full-time work, professor, father and husband, and arbitrator. And that's another one that I want to see because I I still receive updates from you (laughs) with all the decisions that you solve that those are related mostly to, to IP, right? Yeah, so domain name disputes, which is also something that I really enjoy, like working, and it goes back again to like being in your, in your, in front of your computer deciding on something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot of power. And although maybe this is not like, it doesn't decide the fate of full, a full uh, business or like uh, something, like it's, you're still you, the one who decide, and that's some pressure that you have to Because it's one arbitrator panel. There can also be three, and I've been a okay. member of panel of three. Okay. But usually the most, uh, most of the cases are a single member panel. And so it's you. Yeah. Like, and sometimes I do talk to my wife, like, uh, but not, spe- not specific of the case, but like, uh, 
I try to make like analogies and think like just to to run by her or any other colleague like some ideas just to see if it makes sense. Yeah. Because I wouldn't want to make a, a wrong decision. Or so, irrational or something yeah. that doesn't follow. Yeah. So uh, that that I, I really enjoy and I've been doing it for yeah many years. I'm I'm about to reach my decision number fifty. Fifty. Yeah. Wow. And how long does it take to, to resolve? Maybe they are different, but yeah, you know, there are different. so many. So, so. So, so there are some cases that are really fast. Uh, so you can, you read the complaint and you pretty much uh, have a good idea of what, um, what the outcome is. It's just putting pen to paper and doing it. But you get a good idea from reading the complaint once and the, the annexes. Others, they're more tricky. And though, those the ones that are straightforward, they're pretty similar, all of them. So you can pretty much uh, do them without consulting anyone. Mm -hmm. The ones that are a bit more tricky, they might have some element that maybe uh, that you need to like uh, consult some jurisprudence or talk to someone about some specific issue without revealing some of the matters. But those are the ones that I enjoy the most. The ones and the that ones they, they challenge you to yeah, do some yeah, research, yeah. yeah. And the ones I wish I, I would get more. But uh, all of them I enjoy. So the ones that you do quickly, you can solve in a couple of hours. The others, it has even taken like days. Okay. Because you write something, then you, you put it aside and you have to think about it. And uh, you get back to it just to make sure that it, you still feel the same way the day after. And it doesn't, maybe. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if it. If I, what has happened is that I want to add more to it. Okay. Instead of like going in a different direction, I just want like you come up with new things that you want to add and to to sustain your position, yeah. your decision. Not really going in the opposite direction, but yeah, like more incremental. I, I would say. And it's. I guess that it's getting easier because the more you read for things, then it's easier for you to come up. But it also like this is also a phenomenon in in these disputes. The disputes in general are getting more complex because and these like these types of disputes every year they're breaking records every year we have more disputes than the year before and that has been the case for the last five six years and it doesn't look like it's gonna go in the other direction anytime soon but that, that may mean a success of the system actually yeah, it's because yeah. it's reliable yeah and also it's general and that because it's general it can it can capture a lot of things. But now the, the cases and the circumstances are becoming more complex because of creativity, of new ways of doing things, technology is changing things. So sometimes you have to even like research how a certain technology works. Like to see if that may, like for example, how email and email works. Like what steps someone needs to set up in an account to, to have email, an email account because perhaps having an email account can be evidence of something. Mm -hmm. So you have to understand how that technology works. And if, there, if the evidence that the parties is citing actually is well reflected, it does mean what they are trying to make it mean. Yeah. Make it mean. Yeah. So you have to do that. And, uh, and also like the way that the human nature works, like how, because a lot of it's also about determining bad fate. So you, sometimes you have to be a bit of a psychologist. So yeah. You have to, <laughs> Yeah. Good. And, and that's also an opportunity for you to, to write certain style of uh, pieces, but you also write other stuff. And I've read some of Actually, them. Actually, I, I, when I write these decisions, 
at the beginning I was like being very clinical about it like just straightforward and writing just uh, the law the law and the but facts now, the conclusion but now I don't think I'm there yet I don't want to like write a treatise yeah. and I think this is not a place where you write treatises but I am being a bit more uh, I don't know like my language I want to like to develop a certain style of mm -hmm. mind to reflect it there Yeah. I don't know if I've truly achieved it, but I feel more comfortable doing it. Even if I don't do it here, I'm doing it in other areas. But I do want my creativity in other areas to kind of like... Be reflected. Get be into a the, bit. Yeah. Only a bit. So that yeah. when someone reads a decision, it's like, yeah, this is a decision by Rodolfo Rivas and not a decision by, by anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> but what, what I do is when I write, I do... I don't know if I have a style of my own because I've taken from many... Many people, like some of my favorite authors, like uh, Hemingway, uh, even like more recent authors, like, uh, like Stephen King, that I really love, uh, or even like more like Anthony Bourdain, who I thought was like a tremendous writer. I try to take away from that to create my own style. I don't know if I'm fully there, but I've been told by some people, like when they read something, it's like, yeah, this sounds like you. I don't know how I sound like, but, but yeah. <laughs> For me, uh, I've read some of your pieces, not so many, let's say, of your decisions, but I've read some others, and actually I remember the one on, on the zombies, and that one was fabulous for me. You know, there, there are some things, and I, it's like you bring pop culture elements to, to analysis even of movies or, or legal issues, and I think that that's, uh, it's good because you are mixing, I'm not going to say your two passions, because law may not be such a strong passion, <laughs> but, maybe. but your knowledge, you know, like, you know of all things, and you try to bring one and feed each other. Well, maybe if there's a style to my writing, maybe it's that like mixing, mixing like the topic itself that I'm writing about with another reference that's something that I am yeah. passionate about. Maybe that's my style, if you can say. And the reason why I do that is because when I'm writing it, I find it that, first of all, if you, if you, think, uh, if you think on something that you're really passionate about, I think that you analyze the matter better because you're trying to form analogies uh, and try to explain it uh, to someone. It also makes it more interesting for the reader. And it also makes it a challenge for me to make it make sense. I, I actually, many times I probably failed and didn't do it properly. But uh, when I've managed to like get to the bottom of the issue and, and things do merge, I, I feel so... I feel so good, and even like people when they write to me and they tell me like I wrote this, I, I read this, and like it was, it really made me think like that's the best thing you can say. Ah, and that's uh, that's awesome, and 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 that brings me actually to so something that I'm not sure how f much we discussed, but how did this podcast started? <sighs> I, I know when you invite me, what you told me that you wanted, but but in my mind it's like I'm, I'm uh, since we're discussing about you, um, how, how did we get here? Well, I've always been a Like, I, I remember when I was, like, 10 years old, 11 years old. I've always lo loved radio. Like, I remember listening to... I would have, like, my Walkman next to my bed, and I would listen to to me because I love music. Like, music, but also, like, uh, shows back in the day, like, about, like, ghost stories and, uh, like, things like that, ovnis and things like uh, UFOs, mm -hmm. stories. Yeah. UFOs and things like that and just like stories in radio form I thought 
they were like a really great way to tell a story because you would you wouldn't show things but you would like have to narrate things and you would have to complement that with your own images in your own mind mm-hmm. so I thought I found that very powerful so that has always been like a passion of me and years later when the medium of podcast like really boomed with it was maybe like in the late 2000s when I was at Stanford I was listening to podcasts like all the time and there were there were podcasts about everything like sports uh, movies uh, I never really got into like more technical things like I didn't listen to podcasts about the law but more about like things that are that people are truly passionate about like uh, horror movies and things like that comics uh, so then I thought like oh, maybe one day I will have my own my own show mm-hmm. and years later when I had like some stability and when I was looking to to do something that I really felt uh, inspired by I thought like well maybe the podcast is uh, the right medium and this was years before everyone had their own podcast yeah now everyone has their own podcast yes you go buy a coke here in the corner and the teller has a podcast and he's <laughs> telling you to listen to it <laughs> so now everyone has a podcast but this was a bit before then and my idea was kind of to replicate I listen to many podcasts but to replicate some of the things from some of the podcasts that I really like like one of the ones that I really enjoy is uh, WTF with Mark Maron and he just has conversations with people mm-hmm. and uh, I really thought that this would be a great way to tell stories about people that I work with, people that I'm around, or people that I want to be around. Uh, because not everyone in the world has access to these people. Yeah. So I would, I would benefit from some talking to these people and getting their stories. But then anyone who listens to my podcast can listen to these stories. So when I invited you, it was like a, like a test run. I yes. just wanted to see if it made sense and I thought that we had a, a really great interesting conversation and at the time I, I was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do but pretty much what we did that first episode has stayed constant with with the 40 plus shows that I've done like the pretty much the same, the same the same concept well, I, I remember when, when you started and you say the name of it's the Rodolfo Rivas project I, I found it funny because it seems a bit you know, like making a reference to yourself. But, but as far as you go with the four seasons and all the episodes, the people that you're invited actually are after especially this conversation, a lot of aspects from your life. You know, you have people from cinema, you have people from, from the trade world, IP world, uh, justice things. And, and I know that you've told me to include people from other yes. <laughs> areas. But, but, you know, I'm thinking it's also, it's your podcast. So. Yeah, because it, it, the way I see it, it should be like a reflection of the interest that I have yeah. because if I talk to someone that I really have no connection or I don't really have an interest in specific things that they do yeah. I don't think we would have a great conversation so I think it, that's like a requirement to have like something in common and to feel passionate about and human beings are complex individuals mm-hmm. so you are not only if you work in trade you're not only trade actually, yes. actually many people do talk about trade 24-7 I'm not one of those so I talk trade when I'm in, at work. Yes. When I'm outside of work, I talk about the NBA. I talk about uh, movies. So we're still missing that, no? You haven't had anyone from the NBA. No, but I do want to. 
Okay. Yeah, maybe because one. movies, I, I know, and actually, I know that you met some filmmakers, and and, and those are some of my favorite episodes because it's so <laughs> there are, interesting. There are also some of my favorite yeah. episodes, and I wish I could I could do more of those. But the only ones that I've done so far is when we actually you've been yeah. there to the festivals, when we go to the film festivals, and there's some directors in town, so I have the opportunity. Maybe in the future I can go to Cannes and to talk to directors there. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's the plan. So it's good because the Rodolfo Rivas project will continue with even more seasons, more episodes. Yeah, but, more but like to come. you're talking about the, the Rodolfo Rivas project name. So I told you like the inspiration of the podcast is WTF uh, podcast with Mark yeah. Maron. The host is Mark Maron, and there's like a, there's like a culture in, in podcasts, at least at the beginning of podcasting, that was named after the host. So it's not that I wanted like to have like the the limelight of me. It was like I did it in that tradition, like the the forefathers of podcasting. Yeah, they came in that line. No, no, it was not. It was not a, a criticism. I it's try to understand inspiration. I didn't know that. I don't come from the world from podcast. But thinking about that and everything that uh, it has gone through and listening to the different episodes, I can see elements uh, in on the guests that you have so far. And of course, sometimes it depends also on the people that you can reach and if they're available. And actually. Uh, You've listened to 41 episodes, 42 episodes. I don't know if you in particular, but yeah. some of my Our listeners yes. <laughs> have listened to 42 episodes. Behind those, there's 150 guests that I've invited that I haven't managed to, to get to it. Mm -hmm. So a lot more, much more to come. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's the, that's the plan. I really love this. I would say that making movies, writing decisions, and the podcast, like of things that I do, are like the ones that I enjoy the most. And your family. Yeah, but I'm talking about this. <laughs> no, like I know. My family I know, is like separate and my family is like top priority. Even though they make fun of me because I'm so like into these podcasting things and when I watch the NBA they're also like, oh, your MBA and the podcast. Well, but then they support you. Santana made one of the, the covers oh, yeah. from the project. Intro introduction. And, I know, yeah. and, the, and the covers. But I've had to, I have to pay in other ways, like I have to promise her something. <laughs> it was not from the kindness of her heart. <laughs> okay, so she's also learning about trade. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the negotiations with my family, I was talking to someone earlier um, because they were saying how difficult it is to, to reach an agreement and to negotiate uh, with 165 members. Like, who yeah. come to my house and negotiate yeah. what we're having for dinner. Yes. <laughs> That's a big challenge. Like, like now, I, at home, I have to cook four different meals because everyone <laughs> has, like, different requirements. And you manage. You have to do that. Uh, but, yeah, sometimes. Other times. <laughs> Other times is no way this. <laughs> Good. And then you have to pay the price for that. Yeah. Good. Excellent. Um, I think that we, we should wrap up. We, it has been a wonderful conversation from this side. And again, thank you very much for inviting me to be on the other side of, uh, of the table and propose the topics of uh, discussion and get to know a bit more about you. Thank you, Brian. It was really great talking to you. And uh, thank you again. Thank you. This was the Rodolfo Rivas Project. I hope you loved it. Can you dig it?